So God granted him what he requested. Hallelujah. He said yes to the request. He said yes to the request. Amen. So we're talking about on the subject, Think Big. This is part three, the final part of this sub-series. Uh, we're talking about think big, pray bold, and expect much. Thank you, Father, tonight for the opportunity we have to hear the word. Speak from heaven, Lord. Our ears, hearts, and our eyes are open, Lord. So speak from heaven, and we will receive, and we will do what you've given us to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. All right. Talking about 2024 being a year of much more. Just copy-paste, y'all. God needs more believers. I love that. I love that. God needs more believers who are going to allow him to do big things in the earth in their lives. God thinks big. I share with you Sunday, Psalm 119, verse 96, from the New Century Version says, everything I see, or in other words, everything in this natural realm has its limits, but your commands have none. So in, in, in the earth, everything man-made, human, human things have a limit to them, but whatever God says and does has no limits whatsoever. God's thinking is far out. God's thinking is very, it's infinite. When God created uh, the universe, space has no limit, right? Science tells us that space, the universe is still expanding to this day. Time has no limit. The only, only, only place that time has a limit is on this earth. Y'all know time is winding up or winding down, right? But God lives in eternity, and in eternity there's no limit. Everything goes on for infinity. Because that's the way God thinks. Thank you, Lord. I could go some other places, but I won't go there. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, in the message translation, I want you to hear what it says. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, the message. It says, I don't think the way you think. This is God talking. The way you work is the way I work, God's decree. For as the sky soars high above the earth... So the way I work surpasses the way you work, and the way I think is beyond the way you think. Notice what God says here. As the sky soars high above the earth. I mean, how, how tall or how high is the sky? Well, you can't measure it because it's, it's infinite. You, there's, no, there's no end to it. And the truth is, we, in, in the natural world, they say the sky is a limit. But that's not true for us because the sky has no limit. You, you, can't, you can't touch the top of the sky. So God's commands are like that. His work is like that. His thoughts are like that. You can't touch the top of it. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So, so the way I work surpasses the way you work and the way I think is beyond the way you think. So God is challenging us this year to, to think big and to pray boldly and to expect much. Y'all got it? Now, 1 Chronicles 4, verse 9 and 10, we'll be looking at this guy named Jabez. Everybody say Jabez. The Bible says Jabez is more honorable than his brother. And the Bible says his mother called his name Jabez, which means sorrow. It means grief. It means pain. And as I contended to you, uh, that pain may, was not necessarily, or I don't know, that it, or none of us can prove that it was necessarily a physical pain that she endured. I contend because we don't see a father mention that it was an emotional pain. Okay? Now, but Jabez, no matter what that pain was caused by, didn't let that control his life. Okay? The Bible said he's more honorable. Everybody say honorable. honorable. That word kabod, that the word honorable comes from means to be heavy. It means to be weighty. It means to be rich. It means to be honorable. It means to be glorious. So Jabez, by the time we get to the, uh, the end of his story, he turns out to be uh, not the runt of the litter, but the top of the pole. He's, he's, the, he's, the, he's the top dog in his family. And I, I, don't, don't get mad when I say this. Uh, and don't, don't think I'm sacrilegious when I say this. Just let me say it my way. I believe you have a top dog anointing. I don't know if y'all like that. I believe you have a top dog anointing. No, Pastor, how you know? Because you shall be the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. I have a top dog anointing. Hallelujah. You and I should be the top of our classes. Come on, students. Come on, students. The tops of our industries. The tops in our neighborhoods, the tops in our families. 
God didn't design us and give us um, rights to live at the bottom. We're called to the top. Y'all got it? So Jabez became more honorable, heavy, weighty, rich, honorable, glorious than all his brother and all his family. The reason is because Jabez asked God for something big. He has got to do something big for him. Remember he, he said, oh, that you bless me indeed. Remember that word bless is from the Hebrew word barak, B-A-R-A-K, that you would bless me or barak me. That, that word barak comes from a primitive root meaning to bless abundantly. It means to bless greatly. And so he said that you would bless me indeed. And the word indeed comes from the same Hebrew word, barak. So we can read it in the Hebrew. It will say, oh, that you would barak, barak me. That you would bless me, bless me. And I told you when you say something twice, it means you're serious. Hallelujah. You know, right about now, uh, in a few minutes, some of y'all going to be hungry. But by nine o'clock, you're going to be, when, you know, you're sitting around talking. And I finally say, all right, baby, hey, hey, whoever ride with me, let's go, because I'm hungry, hungry. <laughs> if I get hungry, hungry, you're not going to like me if I get hungry, hungry. You can deal with me when I'm hungry, but if I get hungry, hungry, I turn into a bear. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So, so Jabez said, bless me, bless me. In other words, bless me abundantly. And I told you that one of God's biggest challenges is finding people who won't limit him. Who won't limit him. And religious people will say, you can't limit God because God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. Well, God is sovereign and God is all-powerful, but your unbelief will limit God. We read in Psalm 78, verse 41, uh, last Sunday, this past Sunday, how the Bible says that they tempted the Holy One of Israel. They limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited him. So how, how do they limit him? Through their unbelief. They kept asking, can God do this? Well, we saw God did do that, but can God do this? Elder Baker brought to my attention, uh, reminded me after service, we were talking about the message on Sunday, and he talked about how in the book of Mark, you read, when Jesus went back to his own city, Capernaum, the Bible says he could not do their many mighty works because of their unbelief. In other words, because they didn't believe that he was who he was, they didn't believe what he could do. That another place it says that he could only do a few things like just heal a few sick folk. It said he could not do any mighty works. He could only heal a few sick folk. Now here's what you got to catch. That means healing isn't even a mighty work. That means healing is a normal, everyday, mundane, average thing. You, in other words, you ought to be healed right now. If you're sick in your body, got a pain in your body, no, I don't care what it is, how it came, what, where it came from, I don't care if you smoked 20 years and got cancer all up and down your veins, God says healing isn't even a big deal. He said he couldn't do any mighty works. So just all he could do was just heal a few sick folk. But what happened? Because they didn't believe. So you and I can limit God if we don't believe him. And so God's biggest challenge is trying to find somebody who will believe him and not believe him at your level, believe him at his level. Because if you think something that you can think that you can do, you don't need faith and you don't need God. I'll come over here. If you think of something only that you can think of and you can do on your own, you don't need faith and you don't need God. And if you don't need faith and you don't need God, he's not going to be involved. And if you want God involved in your situation, then you must allow yourself to think something that's bigger than you, think something that's totally impossible for you to do on your own. And that's how God works. That's how God Thanks. Are y'all with me? Yes, sir. Hallelujah. I showed you they, they were in Numbers 11 verse 5. They were talking about the fish and the onions and the garlic and all that stuff. Remember that? The, the cucumbers and the melons, the leeks and the onions and the garlics. And my, my buddy Don this morning, we had prayer this morning. My buddy Don brought me a garlic. A garlic bowl. He, he was so amused. Don, Don is one of our Caucasian uh, family members here. And uh, he from Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, they don't have, you know, garlic trees. Well, they might now here in, in the Boogie Down Bronx, they might have them out Harlem, in Harlem. But in Brooklyn, I don't know if they have garlic trees. And 
They, they do have bonquishas though, just as Hallelujah. He brought me this garlic. He, he texted me Monday. He was so he was trying to figure it out. Bonquisha and garlic trays. Just, so this, this is for Don. He's at home watching. Praise God. So God's trying to, he's talking about, about milk and honey, but they're talking about garlic trays. They're thinking about where they came from, the little they had, they had versus the great things God was taking them to. So I talked about how you've got to really be worked. God has to work with us. Uh, Philippians 2.13, God works in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So he has to work with us to get us to change the level of our thinking. Y'all got it? I want you to remember this here. But I told you this Sunday, some people think they are thinking big. Some people think they are thinking big. But small circles and small surroundings can fool you into thinking you're thinking big. Okay? So God has to get us out of our small circles and our small surroundings. We watched him do it with, with Abraham. Genesis 13, God told him to lift your eyes and look and see, arise and walk in the land. Genesis 15, God told, the Bible says God brought Abraham outside and said, look now toward the heaven and try to count the stars. In other words, God was doing all this for Abraham to get Abraham out of his small circle, out of his small surroundings to see something bigger. Keep that in mind, see something bigger. God has to get you and me out of the the little tight place we're in, the little comfortable place we're in. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm reminded just now, uh, Brother Tony years ago was my mentor in faith, was teaching my wife and me faith uh, in those early days. And he was, uh, he, he was a psychology major, and he understood. He was the actual the team doctor for the um, Oklahoma Sooners. And so if you've ever seen me wear an Oklahoma Sooners Orange Bowl championship ring, uh, I never played football for the, Orange, for the uh, Oklahoma Sooners, but uh, my mentor, gave, he gifted that ring to me. And uh, he, was on, he was the team uh, coach for that, for that team. And um, he, he talks about in psychology that every one of us has a measuring system on the inside. So when you walk up on someone or you're in a circle, you rate yourself one to 10 and you rate someone else one to 10. Every one of us, we do it. Every one of us. You walk into a room full of strangers and you immediately rate yourself based on what you see or what you perceive of them because at the same time you're rating them. And so the human nature does not allow us to easily gravitate towards people that we rate higher than ourselves. Human nature always pushes us to find people who are the same rating or lower so that we don't feel bad about ourselves. In fact, that we want to feel better about ourselves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm, I might get in trouble for saying this. But this is, this is just a scenario. This, girls, please, ladies, don't, don't get offended when I say this. In, in, back when I was in high school, at Hollywood High School, Lakewood High School, when it was Hollywood High School. <laughs> now it's Hollywood High School. I don't know what it is. It's a mess now. It's the Hood High School now. But back when I was there, um, we always kind of laughed about the girl uh, who always, don't get offended, who always hung around the ugly girls. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to look that way. I want y'all thinking. But they, 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 they hung around the, the ugly girls because you wanted to be the 10 in the room. Now, the same thing when it comes to looks happens to us when it comes to prominence or influence or affluence. That people don't really gravitate towards people who are in the area of influence or affluence higher rated than they are because it makes them feel inferior or less than. So they'll, they'll try to, they'll, they'll hang with chickens. You know what I'm talking about, chickens. Chickens. 
just pecking on the ground. Chicken, chickens don't fly. I, now, I know I had one guy tell me one time he's seen flying chickens in Orlando, and I said, no, nah, I've never seen flying chicken in Orlando. It's got to be a special chicken, but chickens don't fly. They definitely don't soar. But eagles soar. So God has to get us away from, if you'll, if you'll allow him, away from the chickens. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So you must get outside of your small circle, your small surroundings, because you need to be exposed to something different. You need to be exposed to something different. Because exposure brings expansion. That's worth jotting down in your head. Exposure brings expansion. What you're exposed when you're exposed to something, it expands your thinking. Hallelujah. Do you understand? You know, we, we talk about we're, we are spirit, soul, and body. How many of you know that? We are spirits. You understand? We are spirits. We have souls. And we live in these bodies. Right? We're three-part beings. In our soul, our soul is comprised of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Right? Our mind is our thinker. But within your mind, I want you to even allow this beyond just thinking. It's your, uh, this, I'm going to make up a word, imaginer. <laughs> or your imager. Your mind allows you to, to, to create your own images. To, you know, AI is trying to catch up with what we do naturally. Right. That's all every computer system in the world is doing. It's trying to catch up to what God programmed your brain to do every single day. I don't care how powerful of a computer they come up with, it will never equate or never touch the power of the human brain. As a matter of fact, a computer can't do what it does without the benefit of the human brain. People are like, AI is spooky. All AI is doing let me explain AI. All AI, artificial intelligence. I'm not talking about the city AI. Artificial intelligence. All AI is doing is gathering from the internet, from every source it can, information and putting it together. That's all AI is doing. AI is not creating things. It's simply gathering things together. That's all AI does. Everybody understand that? Okay, well, your brain is a thousand times more powerful than that. Are y'all catching this here? So your brain is, is, is an imager. Your brain can create images. White dog. Did you see it? You made your own white dog just now, didn't you? Now, if you went into AI and AI prompt, and you typed in, in, in the AI prompt, if you went on like ChatGPT, you typed in white dog, it's just going to create a white dog. And you're like, that's so powerful. You did the same thing. You do it all the time. You create images all the time. See, and the image that you create and reinforce is the image that you become. Oh, man, I'm, I'm way off track. I'm, I need to finish this tonight because I'm not preaching Sunday. You, you, you understand, you understand, you, God gave you the ability to image, to imagine something. That's why there are some imaginations the Bible says you got to cast down. Casting down imaginations, taking, taking captive every thought to the obedience of Christ because in this brain of yours, in this mind, the, the brain is part of your mind, you understand? The, in, in, the, in this brain of yours, uh, you, can, you can see yourself sick and dying or you can see yourself strong and living. You can see yourself successful in life or you can see yourself as a pauper for the rest of your life. And what you see, not what I see, what you see determines what you become. Are y'all hearing this? Okay, I don't want to get too far out in that area here. 
But I just want you to understand God has to work in that, in that mind because, and which is why he has to expose us to more things because once I'm exposed to something, now I, I can get new images. Again, again, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, this is all coming together now. Because all AI is doing is collecting images and, art and, and information from other sources. That's how it's able to build what it is and do what it does. So God, to get you and me to build different pictures, to create a different dialogue. He has to expose us to things and people that are bigger or greater or more affluent or more influential or more successful or more advanced than we are. And the critical piece is this, watch this, is that when you are exposed, you cannot allow yourself to be offended. Y'all quiet right there. When you are, see the, the problem with, with a lot of church folk is church folk tend to get offended when they see success. And rather than celebrate that success, rather than, than, than embrace that success, they put their mouth on it. Yeah, they, they, probably, they probably heathen, they're just a show. They, 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 yeah, they, they got that, but yeah, I bet, I bet they marriage bad. What? 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 Why, why do you have to downgrade a little what somebody else is doing? You don't know. Abraham and Job and Jacob and Isaac, these, they walked with God uprightly and God blessed their socks off. They were successful, the most successful people around. There was, no, there was no evil in them. There was no skeletons in their closets. So you and I have to make sure that we are not ever offended by something bigger or someone bigger. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I told you about how, you know, I got a chance a couple weeks ago to visit uh, Potter's House uh, International Ministries there in Jacksonville, Bishop Vaughn, who's going to be our speaker on Sunday, and um, how, how that just, I mean, just blessed me. It, it, it just, I, I'm still reeling from that, just still like trying to, trying to um, articulate what I saw. Thank you, Lord. When God shows you something bigger, he's trying to get you to see big so you can think big so he can do big. Did you catch that? When he shows you something big, he's, trying to, he's showing you something big to get you to think big. To get you to think big. Not him. To get you and me to think big. So he can do big things in our lives. Tell you, maybe you can't be offended. Amen. Matthew 11 talks about how uh, John the Baptist ended up, being, ended up in prison. And he sent his disciples to find Jesus and said, Jesus, because he heard about what Jesus was doing, big time stuff in ministry. And John the Baptist sent, sent them to say to him, hey, are you the one or should we look for another? Now remember, John was the one who announced he was the one. But now John is locked up. Jesus is on the circuit, preaching everywhere. And now John is, John is asking, are you the one? Jesus says, yeah, tell him, go back and tell him the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dumb talk, the, you know, the, the maimed the made whole, the, de the dead are raised. And tell him, he said, blessed is he who is not offended in me. But he recognized was John was walking in a fence. John should have, if John had good sense deep, as soon as he announced Jesus Christ as the one, he should have said, all right, packing up my ministry, I'm following him. Right? All he was was a forerunner. Well, once the runner came, the four is done. He even said, I, I must decrease, he must increase. Okay, then you should have went, gone ahead and decreased and followed him. What did he do? He, he stayed in his own little ministry, ended up in prison, and lost his head. Literally lost his head. They cut his head off because he was offended. Oh, Jesus. Okay. All right, let's, let's, let's move on. Let's move on here. Okay. 
So I got to see bigger. So God works with me, Deke, to get me to see things on a bigger level. In Exodus 3, verse 8, you don't have to turn there to me to put it on the screen for me, please. Exodus 3, verse 8, notice what God says to Moses, God's servant Moses. Moses' job is to go down to, Israel, to Egypt and deliver God's people out of Egypt. Y'all with me? God says to Moses, he says, so I have come down to deliver them, the children of Israel, out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land, that land, to a good land, or I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, and a large land. Why would God throw in the word large? Because, watch this now, yeah, he wants them to see this, but they've been trapped in... It, 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 they got Goshen. They're in Goshen. This, this, but it's Goshen is one town in Egypt. They're building Egypt. They're building Egypt. But where they live is nice, but it's one town. It's not that. So God says, tell them I'm going to take them to a, 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 a land, from that land to a good and large land. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, so this is what God tells Moses. So Moses has to now go down and preach to the children of Israel. What is he going to preach to them? Well, let's do the best you can with what you got. Well, just keep on, just hold on to God's unchanging hand. One of these days over yonder, you're going to get your mansion. No. What does Moses preach to them? God's taking us up out of this land to a good land and a large land. So Moses has to keep preaching about a large land. See, let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Um, um, and I'm not trying to blow my own trumpet. But it's so important that you are in a church and hear men and women of God who preach something bigger than you are, preach something farther out than where you are, because you don't want somebody preaching where you are. If I preach to you where you are, guess where you stay? Right where you are, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. How should they hear without a preacher? So when the preacher preaches, he must preach to you about where God's taking you, not preach to you about how to manage where you are. Hallelujah. So we're going to always preach a challenging word. We're always going to preach a word that's supposed to charge your faith, charge your hope to reach beyond where you are, to reach beyond where, where your, your current station, to reach beyond uh, even where you are comfortable because God, God, uh, oh, praise God. God is outgrown where you are. Yeah, are y'all following what I'm saying? God, where, where, where you and I are right now, I don't care how good you think you're living. Where you and I are right now is too tight for God. God, yeah, it's too tight. It's too, it's too tight for God. God said, you got me squeezed in in this space. I, I, I like it. You decorated it. It smells good. But... can't flex in this little bit of space. So I have to preach like Moses had to preach large land, good land, large land, good land, large land. Y'all got it. Then, then we look in Numbers 13. I'm moving quickly. Numbers 13, verse 23 in the Living Bible. Listen what it says here. It says, then they came, now they're, they're, they're out of Egypt by now on the way to the promised land, okay? Then they came to what is now known as the Valley of Eschol, of Eschol, where they cut down a single cluster of grapes so large. Now remember they were on their way to what kind of a land? A large, a good land and a large land. So now, now Moses, by inspiration of the Holy, of, of God, by the Holy Spirit, tells him, he tells, he says, he sent 12 spies 12 spies to go visit that large land. Check it out. See what it's about. What it's about. And it says they now they cut down a cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. They also took some samples of the pomegranates and figs. So they brought back a sample of the grapes. 
Now, I've heard preachers preach it all wrong, but man, the grapes are so big, man, and they do like this. The Bible doesn't say the grapes are big. It said the cluster was big. The cluster was big. I mean, there were so many. The vines, the branches were so strong. These trees were so well, the vines of the grape vines were so well nourished that they could support clusters of grapes that it took two men. You know, you carry a cluster of grapes. You know, get them from a little store, you know, a little thing. But these were so large. The cluster was so large, it took two men to carry them on, on a pole. Why was it important, Donna, for them to... to to get this cluster of grapes. Moses had been preaching a large land. Now the spies have to bring back a preview. A sample. Of a, why is God doing this? Because God is trying to get them, because the people haven't been there yet. He's trying to get them to think, to get their mind off garlic trays. Get their mind off eating by the, by the meat pots here. They're thinking about going back and getting back on welfare. This is what they're, they're talking about this on the garlic tray. They're thinking about going back and get, getting back on food stamps because at least we could. And God said, no, my, the man of God been preaching large. So now I got to send out 12 ministers, his associates. To go, matter of fact, these were the heads of tribes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. They were the heads of the 12 tribes. So these are forerunners who are going to go and get a preview of what Moses has been preaching. They're supposed to come and bring the report back to their families, to their tribes. Boy, everybody, everything that man of God been preaching is true. So that's why it's so important, heads of households, that you at least go get a sample. That you go for yourself and taste and see that the Lord is good. That you go and experience it and then bring your whole family with you. Thank you, Lord. So now Moses has been preaching it. Now the people, they had a preview of big things. Y'all got it? Now, remember what we read on Sunday from Genesis 13 about God telling uh, Moses, uh, uh, Abraham rather, to arise. He told, he told him, arise and walk in the land through its length and its width, it, for I give it to you. Arise and walk. Now, Moses preached this large land. The people, the 12 spies went, spied it out. They walked it out. I ain't going to say that because people get in trouble. People walking it out today in this church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But uh, I almost lost my point right there. Think about the foolery in the church. Abraham, God told Abraham, go arise and walk in the land. Write this down. Your faith needs some foot action. Your faith needs some foot action. In other words, you, your, your faith, to, to help build your faith and to help work your faith, you need to put some steps behind it. You need to go and walk. You need to go and see. You need to go. Uh, again, they heard preaching from Moses. But once the men despised went in, now they had a preview of it. God had told Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a land. But eventually God said, oh, hey, arise. Get up. Walk in it. Oh, boy. Walk in it. Walk in it. Are y'all getting this here? Thank you, Lord. So it, it's preached. I, I, I preach to you about great things. Houses and lands and buildings and businesses. But if you never give, put foot action to your faith, if you never get up out of the seat or even get up out of your prayer closet and go walk it, put some action to You know, one, one of the reasons why people in the world uh, become successful is, is not because they're praying. 
is because they actually act on what they think. And we got so many people in the body of Christ. We're praying. We say we have faith, but we don't put any actions behind what we think. We're waiting on God to do everything. Baby, God's not going to do everything. He's already done everything he's going to do. Y'all missed what I said. I said, baby, he's already done everything he's going to do. It's up to you to go and put some action to your faith. That's why God told Abraham, arise and walk around. So notice, they have to, they have to walk. He told uh, uh, Abraham, walk. Joshua 1, verse 3, God tells, tells Joshua, who took over for Moses, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses. So notice that the requirement of, for Joshua is he has to go tread on something. Tread means to walk. You have treads on your shoes, treads on your tires, and so forth. He, he got he to gotta, he gotta tread on, go walk on something. He said, if you go walk on it, I've given it to you. Whatever you go walk on, I've given it to you. Boy, praise God. Are y'all getting this here? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Why is God doing this? Because he's trying to get us to think on a bigger level. Go to Joshua 6. Go to Joshua 6. Hallelujah. Joshua 6, verse 1. Now, this is land that God's been talking about all the way back from Moses. Are you there, Joshua 6, verse 1? Now, Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, See, notice there's not a comma there. Exclamation point. See. He said, see, I've given it to you. He said, see. <laughs> Y'all missing it. He's commanding him to look. See what Moses preached about. What the men of God went and brought back a witness of. What Joshua himself had gone in and, 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 and checked out. He said, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. Okay? He says, see. Tell anybody you got to see it. Oh, y'all. See, seeing it changes your thinking. Are y'all catching this here? Verse 3. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. Then I don't have time to read the rest of it, but you know the rest of the story. Many of you know the rest of the story. He says six days you're going to march around, and then the seventh day you're going to march around seven times. So you're going to march around a total of seven days. Every day they walk around. Uh, now, this is not all the people. This, this the, the men of war are going to walk around the city, right? They're going to march around the city. And the priests are going to blow trumpets every day. Right? right? They weren't silent. No, that's how y'all preach it. No, it's the priests, you read every day, they, blow, they blew trumpets. The people were silent watching. The priests blew trumpets every single day. They went around. They're sounding the alarm every single day. Right? How many days they walk around all together? Seven days, right? Seven days they walked around all together. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think it took God seven days he was trying to figure out what he was going to do? Or what? Seven days. Let me see. Seven days. Was it seven days to intimidate Jericho? No. They were already intimidated. They were already scared out of their socks. The Bible says Jericho was straightly shut up. The whole city was locked down. They declared martial law. Ain't nobody going in, nobody going out of this piece here. Y'all seeing this? It's right there in verse 1. So they're already afraid. So what is the 
point then, Laquanda, of having them march around the city seven days. It doesn't take God seven days to give them the city. He, made, he, he created a whole world in six days. He didn't need seven days to give them a city. Just, just like God didn't, he didn't need 25 years to give Abraham a child. The biggest challenge for God to get Abraham a child was to get Abraham's faith, to get Abraham to see on the level and to think on the level God was talking. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So why, pray tell, would God have them march around seven days? Remember what he had said. I'm giving you a large land. After day one, they walked that land. Remember, they're marching around the whole city. You know how you go, uh, I'm believing God for a house, so you go walk around the house. I'm going to go walk around this house. Or I'm believing God for a car, so you go to a car dealership, and you're going to take a walk around the car. And we believe in God for, uh, for a building for our church. We're going to go and walk around the whole building. We're excited. But I want you to imagine walking around a whole city. See you, come on, y'all missing it. They're not marching around a house, marching around a car, not marching around a building. They're marching around a whole city. How long would it take us to encircle St. Petersburg? How long would it take us to, to encircle the Bay Area? They're in a city, a large city. This is, this is not like, this is like we walk in Jacksonville. This is large, a large city. That they could walk around in one day? But it took them a day. The seventh day it took them, they marched around seven times. That's, I mean, so by the time they make it around this city a couple times, I think they're getting a clue. Okay, wait. And God said... When God said large, he, he meant large. Are y'all catching what's happening? Their thinking is being changed every step. Drilling into their heads. Every day they marched around, I guarantee that they noticed something that day that they didn't notice. Every day. What's he doing? God is, he has them because he doesn't need seven days to do it. God, God could have done it in one moment. Bam, wall fall down, but he didn't do that. He's letting them get an understanding of what they're about to enter. <laughs> in Deuteronomy 6, verse 10, God had told them, that's the previous book. He had told them, I'm going to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build. So notice God always talked about not only a large land which would have encompassed all of Canaan, but even a large city. So Jericho is a large city. But I need you to walk it so you can, in your, in your brain, begin to grasp what I'm telling you. And I contend the issue with many, if not most of us, is that we've never gotten off of our comfortable couches. Never got out of our holy huddles and gone and toured anything to give us an idea of what God's talking about. And God told him, I need you to do this. Give me Deuteronomy 6, verse 10 through 12 in the message translation, please. Message Bible. Look what it says. When God, your God, ushers you into the land he promised your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, you're going to walk into large, bustling cities you didn't build. My God. Well-furnished houses you didn't buy. Come upon wells you didn't dig. Vineyards and olive orchards you didn't plant. When you take it all in and settle down, please and content, make sure you don't forget how you got there. God brought you out of slavery in Egypt. Notice large, bustling cities. You see, I just want y'all to see how God thinks, how big God thinks. 
Y'all got it? All right. Let's wind this down here now. I know you're thinking big when you start talking big and walking big. I know you're thinking big when you start talking big and walking big. I didn't say just talking big. Because a lot of folk can talk big, but they don't walk big. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says this, For as a man, as he thinks in his heart, as he thinks in his heart, so however you think in your heart, that's who you are, or that's how you are, or that's what you are, as you think in your heart. Not what you say out of your mouth, it's as you think in your heart. Now, we know from Scripture and from Luke 6.45 that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you really become a big thinker, you, you, it changes who you are. You're, you, you'll start to walk heavy and you'll start to uh, talk heavier as you think in your heart. So you are. That's who you are. It's who you really think in your heart. Not, not, what, you, not what pastor makes you say on Sunday morning. It's what, how you really think in your heart. Pastor Durber preached a message last year talking about that, how sometimes we, we say these things out of our mouths, but it's what's really in our heart that's governing our lives. So, so just saying something doesn't, doesn't prove anything to me. It's when you talk big, but you also walk big. Because as you think of your heart, so you are. Y'all got it? David, go to 1 Samuel. Y'all remember David? Became the king. Before he was a king, he was already a big thinker. Hallelujah. In 1 Samuel 17, David runs into this giant, Goliath. Because David was a big thinker, he talked big and he walked big. Now, he wasn't a big person. Bob says he was young and ruddy. He was a, a young, he was a kid, a little teenage boy. But inside, remember, as a man thinks in his heart. So was he. So inside, he was a big thinker. He's the one that when, when, he, when he even proposed to go and fight Goliath, the giant, Saul said, you're not ready. You can't go fight him. And, and David said, hey, every time a lion showed up, every time, every time a bear showed up, I destroyed him. So David wasn't intimidated by a giant because he had already whipped uh, lions and bears. He was a big thinker. He, he's the kind of, kind of guy who when, when the lion came, he didn't run off and just let, let the lion have the sheep. Because in his mind, I can whip this lion. In his mind, I can whip this bear. <laughs> so when it came to a giant, Goliath, he wasn't intimidated. Because although he wasn't big, he thought big. Don't let my size fool you. Hallelujah. That's your neighbor. Are you a big thinker? Thank you, Holy Spirit. I, I forgot all about that. You remember when the, when the children of Israel, we talked about back in Numbers, when the spies went to, to the promised land to spy it out? Twelve spies went and spied it out. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, yeah, we, let's go do that thing, man. God's given us a land. But the other ten, they came back and said, yeah, the land is good. The land is large. It's, all, it's milk and honey, all that good stuff. But there are these giants there. And they said, the giants there, they said, we are like grasshoppers in their eyes, and we're like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Y'all miss it. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes, but even worse, we're like grasshoppers in our own eyes. That meant that they were small, puny thinkers. They didn't see themselves big, and they didn't, they didn't understand how big their God was. They were small thinkers, but Joshua and Caleb, because they were of a different spirit, the Bible says, they were big thinkers. They saw the same doggone giants, but said, what's this giant compared to our God? We are well 
able to overcome it. We are well able to possess this land. That means two people can see the exact same obstacle, but because one is a small thinker and the other is a big thinker, they'll have two different reports, two different outcomes. Joshua and Caleb said, no, we can get that. Give me that. <laughs> Give me that. So David, in this first Samuel 17, the Bible says like 40 days they were out there. Goliath is selling wolf tickets every day. He's talking big talk every day, deep about what are you going to do to the people. And all the men, they're hiding. All these grown men. These are all grown men in the army, hiding. Here comes David, a shepherd boy who's just on an assignment from his dad to go check on his brothers and take them some cheese and some bread and make them, you know, grilled cheese sandwiches or something like that. He's just taking them a little bit of food and he gets on there and say, oh, oh, oh what, what's that? What's going on? And they said, oh, this big old head guy, Goliath, he talking all big and bad. He, he said, really? Uh, well, what, 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 what happens if, if we beat him? Well, they said the king will give you, you know, you make your household tax free and you get to marry one of the king's daughters and, you know, you, he'll make you rich. He said, what? Make me rich? Daddy's house tax free? And I get a woman? You know how I like women. You know, you know David. You know how I like them girls. Yeah, that little thing, how you beat me to it. The king's daughter, she a good, good, clean girl. They've been getting her ready for years since she's been born. She's been bathed in olive oil and everything. She got wipers and everything. Praise God. She's the king's daughter. And so, and so David's like, yeah. And they said, they said, no, David. David said, yeah. They said, no, David, you're too small. He said no. See, David thought big. Yes, sir. Come on, sir. Look at verse 46 to 48. Let me wrap this up. Thank you, Jesus. Remember, I said, I know you think big when you talk big and you walk big. Watch how big David talks, Deke. You remind me of David, Deke, when I, when I listen to you talk, man. David said, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. When is he going to do it? Today. He's going down today, boy. That, that's big talk. Not one day, he said, this day. He said, and I will strike you and take your head. Now, he's talking to a giant that's nine feet tall plus. He said, I'm going to strike you and I'm going to take your head from you. Now, that's, that's, that's big talk, man. He just said, I'm going to cut your head off. And he didn't, he didn't do this by email, by text, by no Instagram. He's talking, nah, I'm going to take your... He ain't no cyber bully like some of y'all. They talk, you talk big behind a screen. But no, David said, no, boy. Today, I'm taking your head off today. Day. I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines. He said, in other words, I ain't just going to beat you. I'm going to beat all your little friends. I'm going to beat all your friends up. Shantae, Shantae, this is how you talk. I'm going to beat up you and your mama and your cousin. I'm going to beat your friends down. Everybody going out today. He said, I'm going to give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines and the birds of the air, the wild beasts of the earth. Watch this. Watch how big he's talking. That all the earth may know. I want the whole planet. I want everybody around here to know that there is a God in Now, Now, watch, watch, watch. What he just did, Pastor Patterson, was he put God's name on the line. So because he put God's name on the line, God said, oh, you thinking big. Angels, get down there and help my boy David. Oh, he talking big. He telling a giant what he going to do. 
and he's telling the giant that everybody gonna know about me. So I'm gonna help him. Are y'all, y'all catching this? You remember, you remember, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Ezra, the Bible says Ezra, in the book of Ezra, they, they prayed and they fasted. They entreated God because they had told big about God. They had said, they told Ed the king and everybody, they said, our God's gonna help us. They put God's name on the line. And because they did, God said, I gotta help you because you put my name on the line. I wonder who'd be daring to put God's name on the line and say, God's gonna give me this. God's gonna do this. God's gonna bless me. God's, oh, God's gonna turn this around. Who will put God's name on the line and talk big? And stop talking that little small way. Anyway, you bless me, Lord. Anyway, I'll be satisfied. Are you passing out blessings? Save one for me, Lord. I'm going to talk about praying bowling next week. He said, now watch this, verse 47. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was not, remember I said, you talk big, but you also got to walk big, deep. So it was when the Philistine, the giant, arose and came and drew near to meet David. David turned around and ran away, didn't he? No, David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. He said, boy, come on, come on. Oh, 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 you running? You running at me? I'm going to run at you. See, he wasn't just talking big. He walking big. Because he wasn't just, it wasn't just mouth. This is in his heart. He was that kind of a thinker. He was that kind of a thinker. Are y'all hearing this? Let's close one last scripture. Talk about David's son. David's son. First King 4, David's now transition. He's passed away now. His son Solomon is in charge. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go. <laughs> go, go, to, go to verse 20. Media, I... I just, I know I'm in the wrong place. Just go to verse 20. I'm going to speed read. You, you can close your Bible if you want to. I'm going to speed read. No, don't close your Bible. Some of y'all like putting your backpack on. Don't do that. <laughs> verse 20, you there? <laughs> Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand by the sea in multitude, eating and drinking and rejoicing. So Solomon reigned over all the kingdoms of the river to the land of the Philistines. Y'all read it with me. As far as the border of Egypt, they brought tribute and served Solomon. Keep going. Now Solomon's provision for one day was Now hold on. Y'all know what a core is? Me either. Don't worry about it. Okay. But we know it's, it's a lot. <laughs> I don't know if it was a bag or what, but it's a lot. Keep going. Verse 23. Ten fatted ox. You know an oxen is a, is a cow, right? This is his daily provision. Every day, 10. That's some oxtails for you right there, boy. Lord have mercy. That's the ribeye steaks, prime rib. Help me, Holy Ghost. 10 fatted oxen, come on. 20 oxen from the pastures and 100 sheep lamb chops besides deer. Y'all, some of y'all like deer. Gazelles, roebucks, and fatted fowl. Them big old turkey birds. Verse 24, keep going. For he had dominion from Tifsa even to Gaza, namely keep going. Keep going. What? 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots. 27. You got a three-car garage. Man, this man had a 40,000-car garage. Keep going. And these governors, each man in his month, provided food for King Solomon, and for all, 
Come on. Now, verse 29. Ready? Go. And God did so with wisdom and exceedingly great understanding. And Lord is a heart like the sand on the seashore. Here's what I wanted you to point to see. He gave Solomon largeness of heart. What is largeness of heart? It's the ability to think big. Such largeness of heart. If you watch, if you read Solomon's story, Solomon built a global business empire. He built an import-export business that would rival Amazon of today. He had all kinds of things coming in on, this, on the, on the uh, ships from all over the world. He, Baba talks about him trading horses and him trading uh, apes and him trading all silver and gold and timber and all these things. He built such a huge empire. You know, he built a beautiful palace for himself. You know, he built a, ma a magnificent temple for God. What Solomon built, what Solomon was able to do was so big that the queen of Sheba, who had heard about it from long distance, when she got there and saw it, she fainted. Now, she was a queen, which meant she was used to things being big and large and extravagant. But when she saw what Solomon had, she fainted. She said, Lord, I ain't never seen nothing like that. The Bible says kings came from all over the world and would bring Solomon gold and uh, gold, they didn't talk about silver, bringing gold and just to sit at his feet and listen. Because his mind was so big, he, he thought. He became in our day, Sheree, what we would call an influencer. An influencer. He could influence people from all over the world because of the ability God gave him to think. And I'm telling you what God wants to do for you and me is to give us lodges of heart. Hallelujah. I said that was my last scripture. Um, one just came to me. I think I, think I know it. Give me um, Medias or Deacon Robert. Psalm number four, verse one, in the King James. Let's let's see. Yeah, hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. When it was tight, you enlarged me. The enlargement was in the heart to give me the ability to think bigger than this tight place I'm in. My prayer for you this year is that God will give you largeness of heart. The ability to think so big that you can't calculate it, you can't fathom it, you can't draw it out, you can't sketch it out, that you begin to think so big, you have to pray more just to see it. You have to pray more just to understand it. You have to pray more just to get a revelation. You have to pray more just to say, God, I, 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 I can't even see the whole thing. God, get, get, it, it, I pray that he gives you a panoramic view where you can't see it all in one glance, where you have to scan just to see the whole thing God wants to show you. Well, you can't see your whole life, the totality of your life in just one picture. It's going to take a multiplicity of pictures to see everything God is trying to show you. Where you are now, what you're doing in his kingdom now, it's only a start. It's only the beginning. It's only the beginning. And God's, many of you have already had dreams that just rocked you, and you, you might have written them off as that, that was just me. And I, I'm here to say, 
uh, maybe it wasn't just you because it was so big. You thought it was just you, but maybe it was God who was working in your subconscious because you, in your conscious, you wouldn't let yourself think that big. While you were awake, you wouldn't let yourself think that big. But while you're asleep, in the last days, I pour my spirit upon all flesh. My sons and daughters, they're going to prophesy. He said, the young men are going to see visions. And the old men are going to dream dreams. What is a vision and a dream for? But to get you to see something bigger than what you're doing right now. Something greater than you've ever had before. Dreams and visions. Dreams and visions. So you can see on a bigger level. You can think on a bigger level. As far as the heavens, the skies are above the earth, so are my ways and my thoughts higher than yours. I don't know about, I can't answer for everybody, I can't speak for everybody, but I believe if God can find five people in this house who are going to let the Lord stretch them. Not going to be offended by exposure to greater and bigger and not be intimidated by giants. You're going to face some giants. I said, you're going to face some giants. I said, you're going to face some giants. But the giants are just stepping stones. After David killed Goliath, after he kept his word, (laughs) he was promoted. Set over an army. I get to do great things on this path to becoming king. What if David had backed down from that giant? Tell your neighbor, don't ever back down from a giant again. Don't ever back down from a giant again. Whatever your opposition is, don't ever back down from it again. Give you the victory.